Hey, what's up, guys? This is the WCBC Podcast. I'm Hunter. I'm Josh. And Alan is not here. Yes. Uh, he'll be back with us next week. But, hey, it's me and Josh today, and I'm super excited uh, because it's good that we have a team of three because right. now if someone's someone you know, can't come, we still got two, or someone can come fill in. But, you know, me and Josh, it, it's kind of been – it's been a busy week. Yes, it uh, is. A lot of different things going on at the church. Um, you know, Josh had to preach Sunday night. And so we've just been busy. And so we've been texting back and forth and really just praying and seeking the Lord about, you know, what do, what do we talk about this week? Because we don't want to start like a huge new segment without Alan. We want all three of us to be there. We're not going to, you know, we could have brought in another guest, but we decided to wait for that. And so... You know, we've been doing this whole questions thing, which is something we're really wanting to get engaged to and start. And we gave it a couple of weeks but for people to have time to send questions in. And we actually are going to start with a question today. Okay. Um, so we really don't have an intro, um, just like a topic or anything to discuss. Um, I would encourage you guys, if there was anything that can be said um, this this last Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, Great messages here at the chapel. I would encourage you guys to go check them out. Um, but, you know, be praying for churches. I think that's a huge thing that we've talked about before. If there's anything to start this out, be praying for churches because our church, probably like a lot of other churches in this county, in the state, and in this country, it's so different right now. It, it's weird. And, and you know, um, it's either you move forward or you move backwards. Right. That time of neutral is kind of over. And, and so, you know, with MacArthur in california he's like we're going and they're getting persecuted right and left and they're still going he still held church someday Abs- though yeah and he's still having church yes. and, and i think it's super encouraging that in our county in madisonville um you know we don't have that kind of persecution around but what's encouraged and blessed my heart is just talking to some pastor friends this last week that you know the other churches in this area they're all starting to open up completely yeah and I think it's a great time for churches to be open. I think it could be a great time of revival because there's just a lot of darkness going on in the world. Um, and even if, you know, for our church, we've been having random people just show up. Yes, they've never been here before, and they're looking for answers. And and that's what we're hoping we can give with this podcast, just as much as a Sunday service or a Wednesday. Yeah, some of the numbers are down. Or actually, not some of them. Numbers are down. In the, in the churches and all everywhere, I mean, everywhere, everywhere. And, and the thing is, is that I almost wonder, like, if they just came to a place of complacency, you know, they got in the habit of watching their services online and watching and listening to different messages. Yeah. And then it just became now it's just it, it's it's convenient. Yeah. And I mean, and I understand that because they have extra time. But the the thing is, is that, you know, the corporate worship and the corporate service times yeah. and, and coming together in, in unity is a very key part, you know, I mean, if nothing else, I know for me, it's, it is, it's a huge uplift, Yeah. you know, because, you know, sometimes you get, you get beaten down during the week and, you know, to come into, to worship service and be with other believers where you're not continuously defending your faith, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it recharged the batteries. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's even like, you know, I was thinking about this last week and you know, I've even talked to Josh, you know, when Hebrews ten twenty five talks about not forsaking the assembly, it has nothing to do with this building. That's right. It just talks about the gathering of the people. And what I love is, you know, when we talk about the gathering of the people, we all might start thinking about Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, Wednesdays. But, you know, churches gather than just Sundays and Wednesdays. You know, here at the church, we have uh, Monday night prayers, 
a small group, a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, anytime that the church people really gather together, they're doing the assembling. They're yep. coming together. And so, you know, if you're listening online and you're still doing Facebook church, I, I am glad that you are being exposed to the word. Um, but we're also just praying, you know, uh, for everyone out there that they'll start slowly or fastly. You know, I, I talked to some people last week that um, they were at a church service and the preacher was talking about getting back in church. And yep. they're like, we're convicted. We need to be back in church. And they, they've been back in church. Um, so we're just praying that, you know, everybody will get more involved with the local body that you're involved with. Now, if you're listening to this and you're deathly ill or your immune systems just like could collapse instantly, that's understandable. Um, but, you know, there's just something special about the assembling of the people and churches are starting to open up completely left and right here. Um, you know, I don't live in Madisonville. I live in Maryville, but the bigger, ch- I mean, the bigger churches, they're all starting to open And it's just, this is a key time right now. Um, The Lord could send revival at any moment. We also know that um, the end times, you know, the Lord could come back at any moment as well. And, and, you know, when you study out church history, any time that hard times or persecution came, revival was in the midst. Yes. And and so that's what we're praying for, Uh, not for this church, just for all churches. So pray for your churches. Um, Go go back. Go get involved. Um, if, If you're feeling a little nervous, you know, most churches do have pastors, you know, hopefully or an interim or some right. some sort of deacon or somebody that call them and, and talk to them. Say, you know, what what protocols are you taking? You know, we, we have elders that they come in the side door. They don't yep. talk. They don't touch. They don't do it. They sit by themselves and then they go out the same side door and they leave. So, you know, talk to your leadership and see how they can be helping you um, so you can get back to assembling with the people. So, guys, like I said, we are starting our questions. Okay. So we've had a few come in, but me and Josh, man, we, the first one we had come in is the one that we're going to talk about today. Me and Josh, both, we have just been thinking about it and it's a, I think it is a necessary topic in Absolutely. all churches. I will say this, it can be a touchy topic, but when you come to t- uh, touchy to- topics, man, a lot of T words out there, touchy topics, sensitive subjects. Um, if you will study your Bible, and yes. you will study out God's word and pray over the scriptures. Uh, I, I promise the Lord will give you confidence to um, decide where you stand, but then to speak from where you stand. Which today, it's not really about where me and Josh specifically are. Um, we will discuss where we stand in this topic. But our question was sent in by a good friend of mine. His name's Jimmy Pratt. Shout out to you, Jimmy. Thanks for sending it in. Um, we hope that today uh, this can help you and maybe anyone else. I know this has helped me and Josh. We before we even started. Um, we've just been talking back and forth about the subject and, uh, I'm beating around the bush, but here's the question. So what are complementarianism and egalitarianism and what's the difference? So a lot of you might be listening to this and you might be like, I was the first time I ever heard these words and you're like, what are these? Exactly. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I will mispronounce these words at some point during this podcast, it's going to happen. Um, I hope you can forgive me because they're very long. I couldn't spell them if you tested me on them. But I do know what they are, and Josh knows what they are, and we have been studying these for the last four or three days. I've been in this topic um, in other places for school and whatnot, uh, and, and it's just a necessary topic. And I guess if I could summarize this topic before uh, we really get into both terms, it's talking about men and women in the roles, yes, in the home, 
in the church, society, creation, yeah. yes. politics. And so, Mana, you know, today, me and Josh, we're going to, what we want to do is we want to answer what they are. So that's what we're going to start out with is what is complementarianism? What is egalitarianism? Then we're going to talk about the difference. Now, when we start talking about the difference between them, that's where we're literally going to be in the Bible. So, right. well, everything that we say today is going to have a foundation of the Bible. Um, as the old timers used to say, hide me behind the cross. We're going to hide behind the word today because it's not any knowledge me and Josh have. Uh, we're just going to let the Bible speak for itself today, the yes. way we believe God wrote it and it should be interpreted. And um, I think very quickly you will find where me and Josh are. One thing I love about me and Josh is, you know, we don't specifically identify with a certain group. By that, you know, if you were to come up to me and say, are you a Baptist? I would say, I do go to a, a Baptist, Baptist church, church, but Absolutely. I am a Christian. Yes. If you come up to me and say, do you, are you a Calvinist? I would say, I'm not a Calvinist. I listen to Calvinist teachers. I, I think they have some great points. Some of their points I don't necessarily believe in, but I'm not a Calvinist. I'm a Christian. Right. Same thing with complementarianism and egalitarianism. I, uh, me and Josh, we're not going to pick one side or the other. We're just going to pick the Bible. That's right. And that's where we stand. Um, so let, let's let's dig into this. And as I was talking to Josh, we're going to start with egalitarianism. Josh, can you just set us up with the, a good definition that you have in your notes of egalitarianism? So egalitarianism is basically within the Christian movement is a word that is used to have no separation. Therefore, they are no gender-based limitations. It is equal across the board. And that can be basically anything that is in the home, in the church, in the society. They, they, they're equilateral going across. There's not anything different to separate them. So it's not like, you know, the man can do this or the woman can do this. They both, they look at them as it, sh as it is um, just, it's, it's, it's equally comparable. So therefore interchangeable. So the woman can do this role, the male can do this role. Um, so in, in a home setting, you know, you would have it broken down to basically where, you know, the, the, the father is, stay at home dad the mother is out working you know or in a church role it would be women pastors taking the lead yeah. in the pulpit you know as well as doing other tasks in there um and and so it, but that's basically the one that they don't see anything with the gender so there's gender is never taken into subjection when a decision's made yeah. in the home society or church and, and um you know i'll throw this out there too i i know there are homes out there where maybe the husband and wife both work jobs and maybe the wife makes more because Absolutely. she went to school for something yes. specific. We're not downing on that. No. We're the egalitarianism just focuses on the equality of both. Now, you know, according to scriptures, when you read about like Ephesians five and other places, you know, when it talks about the husband being the head and the wife submitting that's something that they work their way around and don't fully support. They think it could be any it could be any way. The wife could be the head of the house, the man could be the head of the house. Ultimately, they look for an equal submission to each other. Now, I want to say this because when you look at the history of egalitarianism, but neither of these words are found in the Bible to start out Correct. with. They're Correct. not in the Bible. No, these are man-made. Yes. yes. And so with that being said, don't put 
um, all your faith in what a man says, put all of your faith in what the Word of God says. But when you look at egalitarianism, there is a history to it of fighting and finding a solution to inequality. Now, um, Josh, I'm sure you can agree with this. We can look out through history of gender and race um, and, and all these issues that occur. There, There is a sense of inequality that has taken place, people who aren't treated fair. Correct. I mean, when you look at um, things that happen without history, with race, racism, yep. things that are going on now. Think, so there is a sense of there are circumstances where things are not fair. But when you look at the egalitarianism view, it really originated from philosophers. This didn't originate really from theologians or the evangelicals of the Christian worldview. This really started out in the world itself, fighting and finding the solution to inequality, whether it was gender or race. And so the reason I'm saying that is because this is a term and um, a a doctrine to the world that started in the world, right? right? Like this didn't, this word's not in the Bible. It's not found. Men created this. Now they, it, it's been around forever. You may not know the word, but I promise you've seen some sort of type of egalitarianism. Um, it started with philosophers. You see scientists who use it, and it's this fight to find the solution to equality, especially specifically with gender, um, and. and but there was a slow transition somewhere in history where somehow it got into the church. Yes. So now egalitarianism is something that exists within the church. Um, Josh has already mentioned this, but I'm going to mention just uh, uh, four beliefs, their main beliefs of being an egalitarian. Men and women can both hold church leadership positions. Josh has already stated this. Their view is that uh, you know elders and pastors, bishops, Women can do it. That, that's what they believe. Uh, number two, spouses are equally responsible for the family. So Ephesians 5, a lot of those verses that talk about the wife um, being the keeper of the home or submitting to the husband, they think that goes for men just as it goes for women. Uh, number three, marriage is two people both submitting to one another. While me and Josh were talking about that, that is, that is in marriage, serving your wife and yes. the husband um, and the wife serving the husband, they view it more of the reason that it should be like that is because equality. Um, they don't see it as two different roles coming together. They see it as one role right. being both being a, equal, yes. right? Having the same. And then number four is their role should be based off ability based, not gender based. So men or w- women, it shouldn't be about what their gender is. It should be able to what they're accom- being able to accomplish. Right. Now, this is that I mean, that's basically in about, you know, a few minutes of what egalitarianism is. Now, one thing I will say about the egalitarians, there's one time I've messed up saying it, is they do go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, it's worked its way into the Bible. So, Josh, what, what do you I know you got a thought for this. What do you think about that, how they go to the scriptures? What comes to your mind? So when 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 both both sides of this use the same scriptures, um, and when you actually research it, there's a, there's a certain key verses that are both pulled off. Yeah, of. and it's interesting to see because you can almost see the complete opposite, where one emphasis is on the word, certain word, you know, where it's the other one side of it is pulling off of a completely yeah. different word, which makes it the emphasis to change to. 
however, though, they, they both seem to be using the same scripture. So it comes down to a, basically as an interpretation of the word of God. But they use the thing is, is that if we only went to a key verse, read that verse, took that in that context without going to any of the other verses, then we are doing a poor job of handling the word of God. Yeah. Because we're we're taking it really, we can be taking it completely out of context. It's a fortune cookie at yes, that point. Yes. And I mean right, it's exactly it could apply to very much what we yep. want it to apply to. Um so that is that is one of the key things that when I was doing this study that I kept r- realizing because I, I actually did look up both of these words to understand the basic definition. Yeah. And then once I got the definition of it, I went and found a couple supporters of both sides of the camp. Yeah. And uh, I was shocked. It, 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 both of them sent, and it wasn't like that they, did, they didn't compare each other saying, well, their argument is, no, they, they both used it as for offense and defense. Yeah. Same, same verses. Yes. So it's like it kept tying me back in um, – to that and which which really like I said it sparked an interest so it's not even that they're pulling from different scriptures it's just same scripture totally different view totally different viewpoint um, I will say that the the egalitarianism is um, we 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 see this evident in today's time and society yeah. that we live in um, there's a there's a lot and it's not just in the church um, there's a lot of it in in the workplace there's a lot of it in the school systems um, it's that equality that you were speaking of earlier yeah. that you know so it used to be that one of the big inequalities was race well then it's now into the gender role and it's more so even not even in as a, as in a gender role of male and female now it's they're they're finding exceptions to it and justifying yeah. it into where it, we can be you know there's 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 transgenders now there's and like i says and not only the the one thing to keep in mind is is that you, these two topics that we're discussing today are important and that's the reason we're discussing it but the the thing is, is we also got to be mindful of things yet coming. Yeah. And like I says, you know, we're going to see that transgender and, and stuff moving into the churches yeah. to where it's going to be tied directly in. And the one thing about it is, is that 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 e- egalitarianism. I'm going to I'm going to destroy these words today. I'm sorry. But the, I'm too. Yeah. It's OK. The um, with their idea and their movement behind it, with that one and that equality between right now, the wording is male and female. You know that there's no difference between it. That 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 version, the egalitarianism, is gonna. They'll be the ones that are consuming that word into it with the you know the yeah. transgender. So it'll be the basically it'll go to a generic speech of all people. Yeah, and I and I will say this too. Um, as many things as they bring in, there are some things that are worth saying make sense. Right. Now, by that, when you think about egalitarianism, I mean, it, it's a movement based off equality. Now, I, I've already mentioned this. I, I think that this view, a lot of the women who and men who support this do bring in an awareness of how just because I'm a man does not make me dominant all the time right that doesn't and what i mean by that is you know that doesn't mean that i go home you know let's say i'm married and i have a family it doesn't mean i should just go home kick the door down and say i'm home yeah i'm home i'm here yes Yes. 
And, and that also doesn't give me, and if you're listening to this, this is for you too, that doesn't give us any room to beat down the sister in the faith. That's right. Because the Bible says that we're all equipped and mm-hmm. we are gifted and we are called. And God uses us mightily. So when you look at the egalitarianism viewpoint, they do bring up an awareness that is worth talking about. That, yes, there is a sense, like, even race. All this racism and stuff that's been going on for years and years and years— one one thing that verse that I cling to when I when I get in discussions about racism and stuff is that God's not a respecter of persons. Right. So j- He doesn't view um, Americans or Asians or African. He doesn't view anybody higher than the other because He's not a respecter of persons. God just sees the heart and He sees the person. And you always hear the the verse of we're all equal at the foot of the cross, and mm-hmm. we're all sinners that have an opportunity to be reborn and justified in faith, whether you're a woman or a man or whatever color you are. So there is a sense that it raises awareness for racism, too, that it is a thing that it should be equal when right. it comes to race. And so they really touch those subjects, and they preach for those subjects. Yeah. And, and, I mean, a lot of them um, fight the good fight against sex trafficking and yeah. about how g- girls are viewed at young ages and all And they raise so much awareness. And here's the best thing I love, is if you're listening to this and you are in egalitarianism and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you believe that He is the only way, you believe that we have to answer the conviction and response to the drawing and everything that takes place, me and you are both going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, how you view this and how I view this or how someone else might view this, we might miss a couple points. That's right. But that's okay because one day we're going to go, we're going to be with the Lord and He'll settle all things that our minds cannot comprehend. So they do raise a good awareness. And the good thing is, is egalitarianism raises that awareness, but so does complementarianism. Yeah. They also raise that awareness about how women. And race and men and everything complements each, each other. other. Right. But um, we, you know, we're going to focus more on the gender roles today. But I, I really wanted to bring it up because I was listening to in a debate today, and it's actually uh, Josh listened to the same one. We didn't even send it to each other. We just that's how it yeah. works. You know, you had two people that had a debate, and they were so fair, and they laughed. And they had a good time, and they talked about the differences, and they talked about how they viewed Scripture, and they talked about these things. But they all agreed that, you know, there, there's a sense where we're all saved in Christ. Exactly. We're all important. We're all called. And they talked about, you know, the awareness for race and all of these things, racism. And here's two different views coming together. Um, but this view and what we're going to specifically focus on today is the gender part right. of it. But I had I had to talk about it because when— the lady who was on the side of the egalitarianism started talking about the awareness for racism that they really try to bring up and seek an equality for that. I thought, man, that is just so worth talking about, especially in times like this, yeah. because there's a, a there's a cry out there underneath everything that all races are treated equally. Right. All people are treated equally, and, and I believe in that, and I'll say that from a pulpit. I'll say that from uh, anywhere I go to preach, anywhere I go to teach, um, any conversation I'll ever have, because who am I to view someone Different. lesser yes. than and me? That's, and that's a good point, because the one thing that, uh, you know, earlier we and Hunter was talking, and that's one of the things that we are talking about, is that 
ultimately, you can find in both of these arguments and both sides of these, you can find anywhere inside of the, each camp, you can find a liberal to a very conservative. But the one thing to keep in mind is, as we have talked about in the past episodes of the podcast, you know, we just got through the Beatitudes and we were talking about all of them. That, you yeah. know, blessed are we that, you know, get these attributes that are attributes of God. So therefore, if we are a follower, a disciple of Christ— and we follow him, and he is our ultimately our lead. Yeah, you know things. Certain things of equality should be taking place in our lives. You yeah. know, we should look out for other people. You know that are being oppressed or that are you know being judged because of a you know a, a color of skin or a gender. That is going to be. We're not going to hold anybody under any type of submission of that because it's, it's the same Christ that freed us. And has set us free. I mean, why would we go around putting people in any type of bondage, yeah. whether it be, you know? So the, the the whole thing with the man being the head, one of the things that I you know I, I do want to make myself known or you know clear about is that I don't believe that I do not stand for any type of man authoritative over a woman for the subjection of him to be, you know, a controller the alpha male yes you know you know like to, like we said you know kick the door down and you know woman i'm home so no yes. it, it's it, it's 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 greater than that it's you know both male and female is a surrender to christ absolutely and you just can't i mean and it's even like you know i was listening to matt chandler talk about just because you're a man doesn't mean that you take your responsibility and use it at your own free will because you're going to have to answer for it. for how you take care and lead your family and your wife. So with that being said, you know, this freedom that we have in Christ that Josh was talking about, we're free from the bondage of sin um, and the egalitarianism, you know, we'll get to the, I want to say the scriptures. I want to define complementarianism, then get all the script because there's a lot in common. But they believe that, like, once you're free in Christ, and you are free in Christ from your sins, but when it comes to roles, leadership, whatever, they believe that right, it's, it's all one. It's free game. Yes, everybody, it's all one. everybody is so equal. Now yes. we all there is a sense of equality that we all are created in the image of God. He is our Creator. He is our Father. Jesus did save us the same way, but now complementarianism is going to come from a more different approach that uh, you might find a little more biblical um, ultimately me and josh are not here to like i said earlier we're not here to convince you one way or the other we're just here to s- hopefully talk about some things that might stir your thinking and ultimately stir you to look at the bible yourself um, so we'll talk about some scriptures and some things and uh, we encourage you guys to go read all this stuff out study the context and pray over it and see you know where you fall in it and let the, the lord lead you so Complementarianism, I'll take this one, Josh. So this is the definition that I have. So complementarianism states that men and women are equal in creation. So we all are made in the image of God. Let us make man, woman, let us make him in our image. So there is an equality in creation. We are made by God. We all sin and we all are one in Christ when we are saved. But this is where it comes in. When it comes to marriage, family, life, and the church... Men and women have separate roles designed by God, which we all are gifted and equipped to do. And this was really formed in the mid-1980s when egalitarianism was taken off. Uh, A lot of evangelicals and theologians got together, men and women, to clarify, 
and they're like, we've got to figure out what we're going to do and what we're going to call this. And they came up with complementarianism, which revolves around the word compliments. And it basically means this in one sentence. Men and women complement each other to glorify God. So, Josh, one of the beliefs for this is I'll read this, and then I want us to th- let's go to Genesis, okay? But the belief, the main belief of complementarianism is that men are the only ones to hold head leadership positions in the church. Women can be in positions as long as they don't exercise authority over men. Um, that also echoes into the home, that men are the head of the home, the head of the house, the head of the wife. Um, and that also echoes into many other subjects of life of how men are kind of the overseers. That doesn't degrade women. No, it's not just at all. what we're going to talk about is men and women were created to complement each other. So, Josh, what I want to do is honestly, we might as well just go ahead and go to Genesis 2.18. And we've defined what both of these are. And I think the only way we can justify and do this rightly of talking about the difference is to talk about some of the scriptures and how both of them look at this one scripture and they say, this is what it means. But I think if we'll dig into the context with me and you today, people might find some closure on what's right and what's wrong. So, Josh, um, the first verse, and feel free, if you have other verses than me, you know, feel free to read them. But I was going to talk about, um, let's see, let's start with Genesis, let me look at this one real quick. Genesis 3, 28, let me see, or not 28. Let's start with this, this this sentence of we are made in the image of God. Let's start with that. 126. Yeah. Go go to 126. Let's start there. I wrote, listen, I wrote, Genesis, I thought it said Genesis 3.28. Yeah, it definitely says Galatians 28. So that's why I was like, wait a second, there's no Genesis 3.28. It starts at 24. Genesis 1.26. Josh, you want to read it for us? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and the cattle and over the earth and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Uh, so there's clearly that separation yeah. because it says male and female. Yep. So the, right there we see the clear separation of the two and, and, and created distinctively separate, um, which we do find throughout reading of Genesis. We find that also— in, we, we, we see it before the fall, and we also see it after the fall. After the fall, we definitely see where they each have a different role that is given by God, what they're going to have to yeah. come upon them. So, Josh, let's, let's do this because you've already started. So I'll take, I'll take the view of the egalitarianism, okay. the egalitarianism. I'll take the view of that, and then I'll come back to you, and you come from the place of the complementarianism on this verse, yep. and then let's look at the context. So okay. the egalitarianism believer will look at this verse, and they're going to focus on the beginning of it, literally. God, we, uh, God said, let us make man in our image. So they're going to look at this creation of man, uh, of male and female, and literally take it as an equality-based creation, that man was made, woman was made, 
but there's no difference. There's no role. It's just people that are humans. There wasn't, they'll claim that there was no sense of headship before the fall, and they'll also claim that there was no reason for a headship because sin had not entered in. So they were made equally as man and as woman, but there's no difference between the roles. It's almost just like one role. They both can do it. Josh, what would the complementarian say from this standpoint on this verse? So he, uh, from the complementarianism standpoint, we would, the focus would be that, uh, yes, God did create him and in the image of him. Yeah. Um, however, though, towards the later part of 27, there was a clear distinction that he created them male and female, created in a separation of. Um, that, that way, so they are both, as far as the image of God goes, as far as salvation, as far as a being is in God's eyes, equal yes however in roles or as in gender as in what they are to be there's clear separation and that was designed by god absolutely and even like um you know i want to talk about 218 yeah then the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a helper fit for him okay so Think about this in the context. So we've seen what the egalitarian will say and the complementarian will say about pre-fall creation, the first two chapters of Genesis. But I, I want to say this. There's a reason why God inspired, right? Inspired this word, these words. It is not good that man should be alone. So therefore, in the beginning, God saw that man was alone. And he said, this isn't good. Something's not right with this. Right. And the key was, like you just said, pre-fall. Yes. So the listeners, that we have them keeping this in the, the, this is before anything. Yeah. So if you're a lady and you're listening to this, I want you to feel so encouraged that God saw that we literally could not exist without you. And that is the absolute truth. Uh, Josh, how long have you and Zoe been married? Uh, 20, 20 years now. 20. 20. Wow, that's awesome. I right. mean, would you say that Zoe, I mean... She's just been there. She has made your life. Do you know what I'm like? Yeah. Obviously, you have Christ. You have your Christianity. But Zoe means the world to you. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm not married yet, but uh, my girlfriend, her name's Haley. She's actually Josh's daughter. So <laughs> this is fun. But, you know, we've been dating for a couple months. And, I mean, it was just answered prayers. You know, we were both praying that God would send us the right people. And then we met each other. And she means the world to me. But what I love is now I'm reading this verse and I go, Lord, thank you that you haven't let let me be alone because, man, I wasn't fit to be alone. Now, there are you get into the New Testament and Paul talks about being single. There are Mm -hmm. people that are going to be single and all these things. But you have to see that in creation before fall, fall. God said Mm -hmm. man should not be alone. We we wouldn't be able to handle it. I would not want to think what this world would be like if it was just men. I think it would be terrible. It would be. And so what does he say? I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, I want to say this. I, I think a lot of people, Josh, take this word helper and almost degrade it. It's almost like they take the emphasis and the power from the word helper and just make it, yeah, she's my helper. She's my servant. She, that's Ab- not how it works. Absolutely not. Your, your wife is not your slave, and she is not your servant. She's your helper. And if, I'm, if, we, if we can get a little touchy for a second, when you look at the word helper 
a helper comes alongside someone to assist them. Absolutely. To be there for them, to help something be accomplished. So if you're married, let me tell you this. God knew you wouldn't be able to do it on your own, so he gave you a helper, someone who could be with you, someone who could serve with you, someone who could love you and nurture you and help you have a family and all of these things. So in my eyes, when I look at this word helper, it to me that's just power because women have a special uh, um, calling in their life. They have a special thing about why they're created that a man cannot provide and a man cannot do. And if you're listening to this and you're a lady and you're thinking, well, you're a guy and you're thinking, you know, you how do you know? Well, I, I'm coming from a biblical standpoint to say this. If you get over into Ephesians 5, and we'll talk about this, when Jesus says, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church, listen, you the Bible might talk about how you're a helper, but when the Lord... When God says that in Ephesians 5, that brings men to a standard of, I need to help my wife, and Absolutely. I need to serve her. I love this example. Matt Chandler has, I mean, he, he did a great message on comparing these two things. Um, he talked about how his wife is helps with worship at their church, and she writes music. And he said, now, this next weekend, my wife has to help lead worship and they have a writing session all these things he said so what do i do as the man do i look at her and say listen i know you're busy this week but i'm more important right and you better make your schedule he said no i'm gonna look at my schedule and think lauren his wife is gonna have to do this yes so that means i'm gonna have to keep the kids during this time i'm gonna have to do this i'll have to make sure they get fed here I'm preaching, so I might need to study when she's at home. And so he is working around his schedule to support his wife. And But the thing that I love is the reason that, you know, the Eve was referred to as the helper is because the man couldn't be alone. Right. So she's going to come al- alongside of him and help him find meaning to his life, and she's going to find meaning to her life. Yep. So now, let's say this. Now let's look at post-fall. So now the fall has occurred in the garden, and all of a sudden Eve was tempted by the serpent. Okay, so a lot of people make the you know the common joke, man, it's all Eve's fault. No, it's not. It is not all Eve's fault because according to complementarianism, headship existed before sin ever occurred. So in the situation of Adam and Eve, Adam was not fulfilling his manly response, his responsibilities as the husband he wasn't looking out for her in that moment right so what happens she's tempted she gets the fruit she eats of it then she gives it to him god shows up what does he do he looks for man he's like adam where are you and he wasn't the first one to eat the fruit but god comes to him because there's a order and a headship that has always existed before ephesians 5 now for you guys out there that make jokes about Eve, you know, eating of the fruit first, and it's all Esau, I do want to remind you <laughs> that Paul wrote a whole chapter in Romans 5 about how disobedience and everything came through Adam. Um, so, men, we were, we would be as guilty as Adam was. But I, I, I do want to talk about this just for a second. Um, and, and it's in Genesis. 
So um, let me read real, read real quick. I'm going to start in verse 8. So they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife, so they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So he called to the man first, and he said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman... <laughs> Whom you gave to be with me, she gave me that fruit of the tree, and I ate. Okay, and so he's trying to blame uh, Eve, and then all of a sudden the Lord God said to woman, what is this you have done? So the woman said, the serpent deceived me, I ate. So you keep going through this, and then the the the, uh, the Adamic curse, covenant, the thing, it's about to take place. So yes. the Lord God said to the serpent, so he curses him. Um, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. This is referring to Christ that's coming uh, to the woman. He says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. I want to stop right there. So before the fall occurred, they lived in perfect harmony. So all of a sudden now sin has come in to play because of the decisions they made. And now God says, your desire shall be for your husband. When you look at the definition of desire, it refers to a current, almost like a river. It's going to chase after, and it's going to try to overflow, and it's going to try to overrule. So when you look at the context of the Hebrew definitions of desires in this text, it talks about that, yes, there will be an intimacy that the woman will desire for her husband, but she's also going to desire to rule over yes. him. That's why he said in the next verse, he shall rule over you. It's not that God's a male chauvinist, because right. he's not. God loves all of us men and women. But the reason he said that the husband's going to rule is because there's a desire within the woman to uproar and to overrule. Now, the eagle, uh, eagle, the egalitarianism person will look at this, and they're going to jump around the verse. Right? They're going to avoid the context that we've already spoken about and try to find that there's equality. Now, there is equality in this that they are both recognized as sinners. Yes. But God didn't create the headship in Genesis 3.16. God had already established the headship when he made man first, then he made Eve, then he referred to Eve as the helper, and that Adam would, what would he do? He would tend to the garden. Okay, So... Headships already existed, but the egalitarianism was going to argue that this is not talking about the man's going to, you know, be the ruler. There, there's a sense of the woman and the man are going to have a desire, and they're going to, so they're going to jump around this, okay? But the context of this verse says, you know, that the husband will rule. The woman's going to desire. So now you look at it from the view of complementarianism. Now, Josh, how does this system of this verse, of the headship, how does this complement the wo- how does the woman complement the man and how does the man complement the woman? We've been talking about this that they both are designed and when they come together they're glorified the, by God. So how does that happen? It makes the unity. All right, so um one of the things I do want to point out just because it it, it stuck out to me and the and the reason being is because I did a word search on this for actually for the sermon on us uh, past Sunday and that word is enmity. Um, and it, it, it is it is an enemy. It's against yeah. direct action against the hatred almost. But it says that he'll put that between thee and the woman. 
um, which is a power struggle right there off the, you know, so right there in the verse 15, um, chapter three, verse 15, we see that that's what it's going to be between thy seed and her seed. And it will bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is right there with the talking of that power struggle. Um, and it's not, it's not a power struggle of anything of, of, as far as a dominion over. It's just that it's that power struggle of almost of where authoritative lies, where the authority lies. And the thing is, is if we look around today, one of the biggest things that I see is men wanting respect from their wives without having any type of leadership abilities or drive. So therefore, and I'm not speaking of, I'm not, I'm, now I'm speaking of spiritual things. I'm speaking yeah. of being a follower of Christ. If you are not taking that leadership role to share the word of God with your family and making it a priority in you, your, your life, your wife's life, in your children's life, that authoritative role you ha- are denying the same way that Adam is denying, you know, when, when he sit there, he was there when the fruit was partaken. She gave it to him. He ate second. He did not make a stance. Adam did not make yeah. a stance. The same way that we, if we look around and we're honest with each other in society in this time, the men have not taken that stance. Yeah. They want to. Well, this this might get this this might be a little touchy, but that's okay. Falwell just had his court case, or not court case, but got the boot. It's my president. Yes. <laughs> so, right. what did he say though? He he did the exact same thing, did he not? He pointed to his wife and was like, oh, well, you know. And then at later we find out that here comes a third party and says, well, you knew about it all along yeah. because, you know. It was a mess. It, it, is, it was a mess. But the thing is, is that that's the exact same thing that's is here. That the, 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 the man is going down. He points blame to the woman. The woman's first. and But that's the thing is that it, and even, even to a smaller degree of it, you know, the, the – the women are the ones that are you're looking at now that are you know taking that leadership role in the house and and it's more it's more it, the bad thing is is it's not even in a, a spiritual context it's more of just a physical context you know the kid the mother's picking up the kids yeah. taking them to the soccer games taking them home feeding them dinner making sure they're bathed you know the, and the husband kind of just comes and goes and does makes what appointments he can make and then he doesn't but the thing is is that that's just in the physical life. Now in the spiritual life, in our spiritual guidance, if we are going to be that man asking for that authority and expecting that authority, we have to be a leader. We have to take the, the, our family and lead our family yeah. and teach them you know, the word of God. Teach them the th- different things. You know, make, make our faith a priority in our lives. So that way we live that priority and we don't just speak of it in front of them. Because yeah. that's the thing that – so when we read these texts and we were talking – and I got off subject and I'm sorry about that. but nah, the, that's all good. 
that complementarianism. So what we see is that, you know, the thing is, is that they both were equally cursed. Yeah. They both are now have their separation. But well, the beauty of it is, is that when they come together and it says that, you know, when two will become one, yeah. they become intertwined. They become one flesh, and that one flesh then is back to that unified state that we see pre-fall. That is that a state where the, they are in unison together. And that's one of the things that when before we started recording, that's what we and Hunter were discussing, is that if you get when you get to that place of unity that both husband and wife are working together in unison, there is no power struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And—, and when you look at complementarian, that's what they teach, is that when the husband fulfills his role, which we'll get into, um, and the wife will fulfill her role and her callings that God's gifted her for, they'll come together, and it's like a sweet song. Yes. I mean, it, it just they come together, and it glorifies the Lord and how he originally created things. But the egalitarianism person doesn't believe that. Right. They believe that there's no headship. They believe it's just an equal grounds to be stood on. Now, when Jimmy asked the question of what's the difference, that's the difference, is how they view the role through the scriptures, through the house, and through the church. Now, I do want to say this. God, did u- God uses women. God yes. used them in the Bible, and he uses them now. Some of the most faithful people I know in this life are women. And they're the, some elder elders here at our church, elderly women in our church, and they are so faithful. But, for example, Deborah, when you get in Judges, God used Deborah. Now, that's a people argue about that, and they have different interpretations. We just know that Barak wasn't doing the things that he was supposed to do, and God saw it in his sovereign will to use Deborah as a judge in that time. Um, she did have a lot of responsibilities. She wasn't in charge of the military or some aspects of being a judge, but she did fulfill some things. Um, when you think about Phoebe in Romans 16, uh, Paul does mention her and does uh, say, you know, help her, be with her. So he used her, whether she was just delivering the letter or maybe she was just showing up. He mentions Mary in that. Um, I, I can't, I'm going to butcher this name, but in Colossians 4.15, Nympha, it, it talks about that there was, um, I, actually, I want to read it. Give me just a second to, uh, to flip there, my friends, because I want to read it to you. It says this in Colossians 4.15. It says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So she was letting church take place in her house. And that's what they did back then a lot of times is they would have corporate meetings, but a lot of times they were meeting in people's houses. And when we study this text out, Nympha was just opening her house. So there are women, and there's tons of other roles. I mean, uh, you know, you got the Priscilla and Aquila, the duo of the husband and wife that really paint the pictures of what a deacon and his wife looks like. But, so Josh, but when you think about these examples of these women is that we look at it from... Well, not we. The complementarian looks at it from the view of God used these women for specific things. He called them, he used them, he gifted them. Okay? But when you compare like the story of, in Colossians 4.15, the egalitarian will argue that she was the leadership of the church in her house. She was the elder and the bishop of that group. They make an argument for that. 
The scripture literally just says they met in her house. They don't right. say anything else. They make the argument for that. But the complementarian person is just going to talk about that she opened her house. Right. And she was a part of letting them in. She probably took care of the house, made it clean, all the things. You know, that also falls in with, like, you know, what Titus talks about, about being, you know, keeper of the home, you know, making sure things. So that's what she was doing. She's letting people meet in her house. But they look at the Scripture, and they look at it two different ways. But in the context, it just says they met at her house. Okay? So now, while we've got, you know, 10 or so minutes, Josh, I really want to get into um, where where we're really going to spot the difference, which is basically Ephesians um, 5 and then... Um, before you read that, or before we read that, I want to talk about Galatians 3.28. And I know we're doing a lot of Bible surfing, so y'all just y'all keep up with us unless you're driving. Don't, don't do that. Uh, so G- Galatians 3.28, I want you to hear this, and this is probably familiar. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Um, for Well, this, that was 26, this is 27. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. So the complementarian person looks at this and thinks, we are all one in Jesus Christ, we are all saved through Jesus Christ, male or female. But the egalitarian takes this scripture and focuses on the last part and says, oh, it says we're all one in Christ, we're all equal. There's no differences between us. Now, I'm not going to stand for either one, but I'm going to tell you this. When you study this out, in verse 26 it says, through faith. This segment of scripture is talking about faith. That is the context of this. I mean, it talks about the intent of the law as condemnation. Um, it talks about the rule of the believer's life as gracious, not legal. But now, In verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. So this piece of scripture is talking about we're not under the law. It, the guardian refers to the schoolmaster, the law. Yes. So this is the context of the verse. Even the end of it says, and if you're Christ, well, you're an heir of Abraham. Right. So you've been so saved. All of this is going to the, when we are going to acceptance of Christ, that when Christ accepts us, yes. that there is no difference. He doesn't see a difference. Yes. He doesn't see, oh, well, you're a woman, so you get this. No, no. This text is talking about our self. When we come to that place of salvation, yes. we are one. We are one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Physical sense, no. Spiritual, as coming up to Christ, yes, we are. And that's what it's talking about, Absolutely. that text. And, and, but the egalitarian takes this verse and takes it out of context by making an argue for equality among genders in right. the Le- church. They, they, on a physical state, they make it to the text. And they literally, almost in a sense, this, this is talking about not being under the law, but they're trying to legalize this by putting a rule on the, the term we are one in Christ by, oh, well, this means this. Friends, listen, me and Josh stand with the Bible. Mm-mm. This is talking about salvation. So when the egalitarian uses this to make an argument about roles and gender roles, it's not good. Yep. It's out of context, so it cannot be supported. Now, Josh, Ephesians, Ephesians 5. This is a, a very familiar text that a lot of people uh, are familiar with. Um, Josh, I, I'd love to read it, and then I'd love for you to start out. We've got about 10 minutes or so. This would kind of be a good way to end the segment. Um, so verse 22 in Ephesians 5, and then this is ESV, just so it's easier for you all to hear it. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he or is himself its Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, and be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, Josh, I I want you to answer this, uh, but I I just want to say this. The egalitarianism is in person. Reads this and just absolutely disqualifies the context of this verse. Mm -hmm. Literally, this isn't just one verse. This is multiple verses that talk about wives and husbands, okay? But the egalitarian will take this out of context. The complementarian keeps this in In context, context. but not only do they keep it in context, they show how the, the woman... The lady should be so encouraged by this. Yes. But also how the man should be so encouraged, but also accountable for how he treats his family. So, Josh, looking at that viewpoint of man and woman compliments each other, how should we view the context of this verse and what it's saying? Who's right here? So the, so looking at the context of this verse here, in that stance, they have... You, it, well, going back up to 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband um, as unto the Lord. So, therefore, there there is so much text that ties directly into this here. It talks <laughs> about, you know, it says servants, you know, work unto the servant, you know, to your master. Not because of your master, but because you're working unto the Lord, yeah. you know. And all of these texts ties into that what we do, we don't do because of our direct one that maybe that we are under or or submissive to it's not about that it's about serving our lord and this so so here's your here's your wife and she is doing it in obedience to christ here's the husband on the same side so like i said if if they're in unity together here's the husband that it says that the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church um and he that is the savior of the body. So therefore, if the husband is loving his wife like Christ loved the church, with him being that he's not doing it for any other reason because he is yeah. a certain authority of Christ. He's he is following under Christ's authority. Yeah. So therefore, by him being in that stance to do this. He's not being a dictator. He's not looking out for his own. He's looking out for his wife, himself, his family under the authority of Christ. So therefore, with those in unity, one of the things is that we got to keep in mind is when the world looks upon a biblical family, the world does not like it. It does not accept it. It looks in and it sees it as a submission, a yeah. slavery. You know, the wife has been brainwashed into a slavery position. <laughs> and, you know, the husband is in. But it, it, when you truly get around a family unit functioning yeah. that's in, under the authority of Christ, there is no bondage whatsoever. Yeah, there, there. What, the, what there actually is is there's, there's. You'll see a glorious relationship that is of God, that it, because they are two people that are truly seeking Christ. Yeah, 
And I mean, that's the thing about it is that when we, when you really get into the context of it and start reading and breaking down text, you notice that the, you know, it speaks about Jesus Christ time and time again. The wife is to be submissive to the husband, but it's because of Christ. Yeah. The husband is to love his wife, but because of Christ. The children are to be obedient to their parents, but it's because of Christ. Yes. So the thing is, is that if we truly are living for Christ, we're not going to have that power struggle. It's not going to, because it's not about us, you know, and that's the beauty of it is that when, when a biblical relationship is working in unity, the husband nor the wife, either one, is put an emphasis on the other one to a point to where it's going to break the relationship no. down with Christ because they're seeking Christ first. They're focusing on the role that they're called to do. Yes. So by doing that, by doing that, they are staying on task of what they are supposed to do, yeah. right, and who they are supposed to be in Christ. And there, there is no power struggle. There is no worry of it because the woman in her own is a beautiful being doing what God's will. Absolutely. And the husband is the same. The husband, you'll see a man and woman flourish in a relationship in a, of a marriage when they both will surrender themselves, set their pride aside, yeah. serve Christ, and, 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 and with humility yeah. enter into a marriage. Absolutely. Because that's the th- ultimately that's what it's about is that, that humility of that state. But the thing is, and I think the reason why this topic is such a touchy topic and people get so offended is because of pride, um, because because there is no humility. Yeah. You know, there, there, that, you know if it's a, from a man's standpoint, you'll hear a lot of men say, well, you know, I demand authority because I'm man and there's no extra yeah. given information. Or you'll hear a woman say, you know, that I'm not going to be held back by any man. And the bad thing is, is that a lot of them, they do not have text or scripture or they haven't studied it out for themselves. And that's what I encourage anybody to do. Um, you know, I, I was mentioning to Hunter, I'm, I'm, more, I'm d- talking with somebody that, you know, that they're kind of lost on the, some issues and topics. Yeah. And, you know, it's just we have to get in the word to, to seek out these topics yeah. and study it for ourselves. And anything that we say here, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure Hunter agrees 100% that we, we, we just read the text and take it for what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, if we ever find ourselves to be wrong, I mean, you know, text yeah. us and say something, you know, send an email. Just because, like I said, I, I, there's times that I'm going to misinterpret or there's times I'm going to be and Yeah, there. but Alan's not even here, but I, I can tell you this. If the three of us were in here right now, we all came to the same conclusion because we interpret Scripture through the context. Yep. So, guys, I really – Josh just – I mean, he hit on the head of the egalitarian view – and the complementarian when it comes to the home. Right there in Ephesians 5, Josh just hit it on the head. The egalitarian, they'll be like, uh, no, it's all about equality. The man does can do what the woman does. The woman does what the man does. Um, and they'll take that set of scripture and try to show it. But Josh, I mean, he just literally expositionally just broke it down from the complementarian view. But ultimately, throw both views out the window. We just went through about what it biblically says um, and what the Bible teaches it. Um, so Josh really hit it on the head about the home. Um, you know, I, we really got to touch on the church. But what I'm going to say is if we tried to cram all of it in five minutes, it wouldn't do it justice. So I'm saying next week, I think we come back and do a part two. Because when we talk about egalitarianism and complementarianism in the church, 
pretty thick. Yes. And we want to be able to have plenty of time to walk through First Timothy 3, Corinthians, all, all these verses and talk about what both parties say about it, but then look at what the Bible truly says about it. So guys, um, uh, we're praying for y'all. We hope that you are learning through this. We are learning uh, too. This has just blessed us tremendously and it's challenged us tremendously. So guys, I, I hope through this segment you've seen the definitions for egalitarianism and complementarianism. Uh, we've been able to go from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3. We've talked about some different places in the Bible um, but we're coming from one view and the other, and now we're really focusing on what's the difference between them. But ultimately, um, we're going to settle on what the Bible says, and Absolutely. we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that just as much as the two views. So I, I hope you've learned that. Um, like to say, if you have got questions or anything, comments, you can email us media at watchingchapel dot net. Um, I really hope that you know we all can have tender spirits when we study this together. And ultimately, it's not mine and Josh's. Uh, our goal is not to convince anyone of anything. We just want to point you to the Word of God um, and challenge you to study it on your yes. own and then settle in your heart which way you view. Because like we've talked about as well, there are some things about egalitarianism that are worth mentioning and are agreeable. There's some things about complementarianism that is worth talking about that is agreeable. But there's also things in both of them that are just, just a, pretty, they're a little off in our opinion yes, um, and in our interpretation of Scripture. So we'll jump more into this next week. Guys, Josh, do you have anything else? Nope, just God bless. Hey, God bless, guys. We will see you next week. See ya. <laughs>